This is Capello Talks the podcast. In this podcast Dave Clark, Capello Director of Coaching, Martin Fairn CEO of Gazing and Abby Sadler, Capello Head of Women's Coaching, talk over a cup of coffee about how mental skills can be used on match days. Uh, hi, it's uh, great to be back here uh, with Abby and Martin. Martin's uh, from Gazing, the uh, men- mindset uh, company. And uh, of course, Abby's the head of women's coaching at uh, Capello. Uh, I'm Dave Clark, as you know. Um, we're going to be looking at um, three or four different ideas um, today. Uh, we're going to start with um, mental skills in action, uh, the impact of pressure in the moment. Um, I, I thought what I would do initially is just tell you a little tale about my under 13 girls team who uh, I've been putting together over the last year. So yeah. we've just kind of come together and we played our first match um, uh, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend before. And uh, the minute we got there, we had the first problem was that they had no referee. So uh, I had to volunteer to be referee, otherwise there'd have been no game, which um, obviously is not what we want. Um, so as I rose refereeing, the girls were like, oh no, my God, Dave, you can't go and referee. Uh, who's going to help us on the touchline? Who's going to support us, tell us where to go? So I, I explained to them that, you know, we, this is what we do in training, and that they could re- relate back to the training that we'd done for, you know, six months. Um, but it, they didn't particularly like this because obviously when you're refereeing, it's um, a totally different, you see a totally different game because you're obviously in different positions around the pitch. Um, and and they, they just didn't like this. So they, they lose that game 6-1. And afterwards they said, you know, we just didn't, we didn't really know what to do that first game. Um, so the next match, which was on Saturday, um, we had a referee and I was at the, on the touchline with them, helping them as they saw it. But basically all it was is that they get the confidence and the, they feel that the support's there. And every now and then you can sort of say, let's you know, move into these areas. And um, they win that game 4-0. Uh, so I thought, Martin, that is a classic example of of something within their minds. It's the same game, it's the same, you know, the same girls, but they, yeah. they found it difficult to initially play. And, and was it their first game? I mean, their actual first game? Their very first, yeah, the first game as a team. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've just got a couple other questions because I, I mean, you, you watch coaches of teams at all different, like different levels of their development. Do you see similar when, when, when you're looking at, you know, girls who are early in their development or coaches in their development and then further on, does it look like yeah, from a coach's perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah what they're. Yeah, do you see the coaches getting nervous? I guess. Yeah, oh, players. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Open. Yeah, I think um, the first game isn't it? they don't know yeah. what they're looking for. Um, sometimes you find some coaches are really quiet on the sites. Yeah, the yeah. First game, and some just verbal diarrhea, and they're trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. coach absolutely everything they see. Yeah. Um, I guess depending on the personality, yeah. depends which way they may go. It's like it's. It, it, I mean it. it I'll, I'll share a perspective on what, from a mindset perspective, what could have happened. I guess a good, if you'd been working with them for about four or five months before, a good way of trying to get a sense of what the impact of pressure in the moment on the game was, on the game was, was what were the girls not doing yeah. that you had been working on and preparing them to do. So, so if if we buy into the fact that having you as a referee and not there on the side and that them losing that direction, what were they not doing? Okay, well, um, they got slightly muddled. We'd, we'd gone through uh, yeah. offsides. So 
yeah. we play with this one girl who's really, I mean, she's really fast, but she, she because she was fast, she wanted to be yeah. the head of the defense. Now the defense immediately saw this. So the, the girls we were playing were a lot more, um, say a, a lot more canny with the way they played yeah. the game. So they would step up and she would go streaking off and the linesman yeah. would put his flag up. Now she kept coming up to me and going, why was that offside? So I said, well, we've gone through this in training, but obviously yeah. the, the pressure of being in a game and the pressure of yeah. someone and her seeing the ball and thinking, yeah. I want that, I'm, I'm going to go and get that. Yeah. Um, that, that didn't really help. Um, so, so that's one example. Another example is you've got, we practice a lot of wingers supporting the left, say left wing supporting left bang and, and interchanging. Well, I found that they were, they were really wandering yeah. across the back, where, wherever the ball was, even though in training, uh, we'd, work, yeah. we'd massively worked on that and they, had, they, they didn't wander in training. But in this game, they were wandering across. Well, when you're on the touchline, you can sort of remind them. You, you can know, give them a about, reminder, yeah, yeah, which is probably girls, are, players, <clears throat> I guess it's not just girls, players, yeah. early in their development, mm -hmm. um, can, can benefit from that clarity of direction from the coaching side yeah. from the touchline. Because, it, because the, 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 if you... If you Think about red to blue, which is the perspective that we introduce, and that's like the, the language of, of, of mindset and mental skills and how it applies in the moment. We always talk about the blue side, describing a sort of clarity of thinking. And it doesn't matter the age or the experience, it's just if you're thinking clearly, you're likely to make better decisions about what you do. So not running offside early would be a good example. Um, making sure that you keep your shape uh, in, from a defensive perspective would be another good example. Yeah. But, but what, what we all know and what children will be able to tell you very clearly is as they feel more anxious and they start to feel the pressure and you not being there to give them support in their first game, which is a big pressure moment, is a good example of what's likely to create a level of anxiety. Your brain goes to mush and the redhead starts to describe a head that's entirely busy and not really clear and foggy in terms of your thinking. So when that happens, there's a likelihood that you won't make very good decisions about what you do or that you'll forget stuff that you should have, that, that, that you probably drilled into them through the work and the coaching that you were doing. Yeah. So it, it's a, uh, it wasn't what you intended because I'm sure when you got there, you intended to yeah. be on the touchline. Yeah. So it's one of those circumstances. Now, going ahead again, you may well spend time saying, well, actually, let's think about how we could predict some of the way we react mentally to the situation we're in. And you could do some preparation work yeah. with them from a mindset perspective yeah. alongside the technical and the tactical support that you give them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. So, so basically, um, we, we I put them in those situations in training where there's nobody. Yeah. And they're, they're here we go. Let's play this game. Yeah. Uh, and and they and That's they are exactly expected right. to. Uh, but then you know we we we, we you, do, you do didn't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to criticise what you did because you're going. Well, I didn't know I was going to be the referee. Yeah. But going forward. There will be moments, let, let's just say, let's just go a few years forward and they're suddenly playing in front of 50,000 people. Yeah. They might not be able to hear the direction. They yeah. might not be able to get a sense. And of course, there'll be better players and all that sort of stuff. But, but you know, putting yourselves into situations where that communication line's been cut off or it's not clear or you can't quite hear, because you don't keep walking to the touchline and go, can you tell, what, what is it you said? Yeah. So, so they're going to have yeah. to start to think for themselves and, and, and work out the decisions they should make and what they do. Now, that's why you, it's very difficult to separate mindset and mental skills completely from physical and technical and decision-making and game awareness because your development path for those girls 
mm. will cover all of those areas. Yeah. And it should do. But at some point, you might want to say, but there will be moments when you start to, your brain starts to be less clear. You, your thinking gets clouded and foggy and the red side kicks in and it makes you feel nervous and then you start doing silly things uh, like running offside or yeah. like you lose position or giving the ball away to the, you know, the, or whatever, the, whatever mm. however it manifests itself. Mm. Um, so part of, the, part of the perspective we would bring to this is actually preparing athletes for the situation they find themselves in can really help their in-the-moment application when, when they feel the pressure. Mm. So it, it's, it's almost like saying, this situation, you're going to react much better to it if it's not a surprise to you, mm -hmm. if it's not so. And I, mean, I, I know we talked about it last time, but the Olympics was a great example of an awful lot of athletes describing how uncomfortable they felt because, very similar to what you said, and these are elite athletes, because they were not surrounded by family and friends. And every other Olympics they've ever been to before and every other Olympics has ever been before, there have been family and friends around. You take them away and all of a sudden you're left feeling kind of vulnerable. Now, you would have hoped that they would have prepared for that and prepared for what that felt like. But it looks like quite a lot of them weren't. And it, in this particular case, yeah. the girls you described, again, it sounds like it's critical of you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? No, I know exactly. It, 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 exactly. You were put into a situation, and they were put into a situation yeah. where the line of communication and all the clarity of, to help them, because yeah. another thing about pressure would be the other thing is you're moving them from training in a nice safe place where you're, they've got, you've got complete control over what they're doing. They've got control in the, in the training environment. All of a sudden you're going, there's some nasty looking opposition. Yeah. And, and there's a, a game now and then there's some minutes and there's a goal at each end and you've got to go do what you've been learning to do. Mm. And they go, oh. Yeah. So that first game nerves was predictable anyway. And yeah. it didn't take much to trigger a, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can see, can't you, in girls very much like uh, that, that very, you know, boys are the same. They, they like the friendships, you know, they have the friends there. But with girls uh, as a group, when they're training, uh, it, it is a, it, it's not that it's a more joyous atmosphere, but the girls do express themselves, um, you know, with their friendships and with, with patting the ball and shouting and screaming. It's a, to it's, a, it's a totally different experience with when you say you've got boys of a similar age who... Uh, who will react differently. So the boys of a similar age probably find it a lot easier in that, um, in that environment than girls who, who probably haven't played or faced that environment. Um, I don't know uh, if, if that relates exactly like that. So I was just going to say off the back of that that I grew up, I think that females at that age, especially that age of 12 or 13, just moved into secondary school. They're very conscious of like people eyes on them, watching them. And I guess it links back to your point, Martin, around just trying to make training. And we sp I speak to coaches all the time about creating game problems. Mm. So create, actually speaking to a coach today around create problems which you think you might face on the weekend. Yeah. Whether that's the team you're playing against, and this was with an older age group, but you think that your team are going to, the opposition will play over the top. So when you play in your training sessions, get the other team to play over the top so your yeah. defenders have to face, face those face those problems and yeah. I think that just trying to manage those that in training is important and spoke around um, clarity so sometimes the players may not know what to do and they just might want clarity but I guess one of the other things maybe they just want a bit of back to coaches as well on the side of the pitch a bit of like 
reassurance that you know what yeah. you're doing all right I think sometimes coaches when you see them and I'm saying myself when I'm on the side of a pitch and you're on your own and you've got no one to bounce an yeah. idea yeah. off it's a little yeah. bit like players on the side of the pitch they just want you're doing all right yeah. Yeah. Um, but how can the I guess the other players do that yeah support the players like you said there social's important so yeah and, and the language can, becomes really important and the clarity of what it is you're talking about mm-hmm. so that's where we could we would use red to blue and blue head as being part of that sort of supportive language that you can get from within the team and if the team and the coach are working together on mindset mm-hmm. you can get it from the from from the touchline as well yeah. so that it, that reassurance that says actually feeling a little bit nervous is okay but here's what you should be doing. Here's what you can be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, I think that the if it's almost like saying um, if, if you're prepared or what is it for forewarned is forearmed. Yeah. And if and if and if that as the, as you go into a first game situation or we, we've got a um, one of the um, sons of, a, of one of our partners in in um, uh, in Miami at the moment. His uh, his son's about. He's just been called up to the El Salvador national squad. And this weekend, they've got uh, games in the World Cup qualifying. Now, it's a big thing. So imagine a a young player being called up to Mm -hmm. a national squad. That's the same, almost the same thing as someone who's never played suddenly taking the field to play in a game. Mm -hmm. I know it's the same same football, but all of a sudden, they're into an entirely alien environment. And and knowing that you're going to feel nervous and knowing that it's normal and it's okay which is what I would, with these girls, is a really helpful first step in doing that. And I, I completely agree with putting them into game situations as being a way of helping them think more clearly. But you've got two outcomes that you can get from that. Because one is, what would you do to solve the problem on the field at the time, which is a sort of tactical mm-hmm. decision-making thing. Yeah. But there's also, if, if you start to do this with coaches, but what are you going to do to solve the problem how you feel about this situation? How are you going to make sure that the situation that you're facing doesn't yeah. kick your attention onto the red side and you start... Yeah. So you've got two outcomes when you when you start to coach mm-hmm. like that. Most people just, just stick with the how do you solve the, the, the yeah. problem on the field at the time. Mm-hmm. But you, what we would say is you also want them to start to think about how do they solve the mindset challenge which says, oh, all of a sudden, because that's happening, you know, because we're down to nine men now, nine women mm. I'm now worried or because we've got a new goalkeeper and I'm not confident that he or she can 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 command and save mm-hmm. the ball in the way it should now I'm worried that we're not going to do well and all of the associated impact that that has so those sorts of things are worth working not just on the decision but also on the mindset impact does, yeah. that, does that make sense yeah so on that like because we spoke as well around pressures for an under 13 that's your under 13 girls going to play a yeah. match for the first time. Could be the same feelings that under 13's been as, like you mentioned, someone Complete stepping out in front of 50,000 people yeah. for the same time. So, like you said, it's much easier to manage tactical game problems. But for those um, players who are maybe joining the team for the first time, yeah. they've moved from the reserves to the first team and they're playing a game for the first time. Yeah. Or there's, they're a substitute and they've got to come on to yeah. for the last 10 minutes and it's they're one nil up and they're coming on as a defender as well yeah. when it's been yeah. backs against the wall. Is it just around, because it's, that's I guess, harder to try and manage and control. So would it just be those conversations which you mentioned or would you 
suggest trying to do some other I, I think scenarios and putting them in the situations and first of all, acknowledge the likely feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like saying butterflies, anxiety, nerves, all entirely normal, all okay, just not likely to be helpful. Yeah. So embrace them, accept the fact that they're there and then work out how they get their attention on the next job or the mm -hmm. job that you want them to do or the next, the next pass, the next, the next tackle, the next movement, whatever it is, however you want them to do it. Because a lot of thinking or a lot of perspectives we hear tries to get people to deny those nerves or deny the feelings. But just focus on what, you can, what you're supposed to be doing. And actually in the back of your head it's going, yeah, but I feel really nervous or I know I've got to do really well. Yeah. So, so you just it's much better just to acknowledge the existence. Mm. So I think as a coach I've said, to, we had a few young players playing in a game recently and it's you're going to make mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, yeah. but just when you go on, just try and do the simple. Don't try and do everything. Just try. So trying to paint some of those. So if yeah. they make a mistake, it's not. Oh God. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we good. And also, as a coach, I tried to say, I'm going to make a mistake too. So you try and yeah. show them that you're being. I completely. Agree. Mistakes are a great example of pressure in the moment. The yeah. pressure of yeah. a mistake. How do you react to it? And and you, what, what we would say is a really good thing no a, a good thing to do is to make sure that mistakes are normal just like mm -hmm. pressure is normal just normalize it yeah i, I think uh well i think it was johan cruyff who said you know yeah you learn nothing from winning you learn everything from losing yeah uh, and that is down to uh you know the individual mistakes yeah. Yeah. that players make and so i think um if we think about the impact of pressure in the moment then um I, I, if i'm a goalkeeper and yeah. i let in four goals you know i'm gonna get it in the neck from the rest of my teammates. If I'm a centre forward and I miss four chances, but I score one, I'm going to be seen as the hero of the yeah. of mm. the day. Uh, I think so basically don't be a goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> I think I do think it's it's a it's a a, di a really difficult uh, position because half the time there's no spotlight on you because you just stood there waiting, and then suddenly yeah. you can see them all coming. You know, suddenly there's a breakaway, and, and as the goalie, you're thinking, oh my. Here they come, um, and it is. And there's suddenly the spotlight's on them. I've, I've, I've found always found goalkeeping a really a really difficult position to, you, you know, you you talk to them about confidence, you give them your support, you tell them don't worry about yeah. it. But I, I, th I think um, individual positions, you know, players do worry, don't they? I, I, I yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the sources of pressure, what makes you worry? Yeah. then there's the expectations in the first place. So you expect as a goalie not to let any goals in. And that expectation is on you because you all of the things that go with that, I don't want to let the team down, I don't want to let yourself down, I don't want to let the crowd down if you're playing in front of a crowd, all that stuff, I don't want to let my parents down, I don't want to let all those things become very real. And they create pressure and anxiety. And same thing with, and then, and then of course you add in a few people watching, might be one or two or the coach or some friends or anything like that, then there's a bit more pressure. And then of course, if you do happen to make a mistake, the consequences of that mistake as a goalkeeper, is it's, you're probably one down or two down. Or yeah. If you're the Porto goalkeeper, you're five down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, funnily enough, because last night, um, I was with the under-10s, I was taking them under, due, to, due, I guess, to the fact that the, some of the parents haven't got any petrol in their cars, uh, a, a lot of them didn't turn up. So we were playing a, more of a small-sided game, and it was uneven, so they... One team asked me to go in goal. By the time I'd let three goals in, because you know they're hitting the ball pretty hard, and I'm not <laughs> going to get in the way of some of these, uh, even though they're ten. And so they, so they were moaning at me, and I thought, I thought, oh no, I better not let any more. And anyway, the next ball comes in, and 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 it goes in the net, 
they said to me, Dave, Dave, can you just not be in goal anymore? Yeah. Move and to so, right back. Yeah. And so you do, you know, you think suddenly the spotlight's on you, you've mm. let a couple of goals and you don't want to let any more. And yeah. it's probably the only position on the pitch where that happens. I, I would say one of the big perspectives that we try and bring to Redford Booth through coaches, but, but with the athletes when we get to talk to them, is that the, the first of all, the pressure in the way that we've all been talking about it today is normal. Mm. Secondly, to expect it and to mm. expect the feelings that come with it. But then to finally to acknowledge that ultimately those feelings, those very predictable feelings of nerves and stuff like that, won't be helpful in terms of performance. So you have mm. to find some way of moving your attention onto. I've got. So, I, I know what I'm doing now. I'm focused on it. Yes. My energy's going in, in line with with where my attention is, and I've got my. You know, I'm running. I'm passing. I'm tackling. I'm doing all the things. I know. And when mistakes happen, rather than uh, and quite a lot of the work we do is to put them in perspective. So you say, how many mistakes do you think you're going to make over your whole career? And they go, oh, I don't know, 8,000. You go, good, because that's just one of them. Yeah. Mm. And, and it, it rather make it the big thing. Yeah. You put it in some sort of perspective. Golfers is a good example. You know, golfers can get terribly, terribly hung up with, with a really bad shot. Or, or tennis is a very current topic of example. Yeah. Mm. And, and unless they can move past that in some way, it becomes difficult to carry on with the game or the round or whatever they're doing. Football's just the same. You have to keep yeah. playing, but you've got to let go of the feelings yeah. associated with the last bad shot or the last bad pass or the last bad. You know, and, and yeah, that, that's really good. And, and I think that when you are coaching, one of the things I do think puts pressure on the players is, um, so last night I'm doing a 3v3 with a, a magic man. So 3v3, three in the middle and you swap over. If you, now, one boy came up to me after we've been playing this for 10 minutes and said, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Yeah. Now I'd spent quite a while with him showing them what to do. So he'd obviously actually not been listening, but maybe he learned in a in a different way. Yep. But so suddenly he he went really quiet and I thought he's got normally he's not he's not a quiet boy. He doesn't he doesn't do this. And and purely uh the pressure was on him because he thought from suddenly thought to himself, actually I haven't a clue what I'm yeah. doing in this. Yep. They've set us up and everyone else is doing something. Mm-hmm. Now should I put my hand up and say I don't know? And he, d- he doesn't want to do that because he's, he's frightened that maybe this is a mistake. Uh, so if we're talking about uh, player mistakes, is this the role of the coach then to prepare the kids in, 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 for, for these situations? Uh, 100%, I think. In fact, I, I don't think it's just about kids. I don't think it's just about boys or girls. I think the coaches across the world in football and therefore across the world in all sports, part of the role that I believe they should um be prepared for and then be skillful at is is preparing their players for the mental challenges they're going to face mm-hmm. predicting them and getting them ready to deal with them and mistakes is a really good example how do you feel after a mistake and how do you make sure that you're able to move past that mistake and onto your next job and, and, and whatever the sport you're playing but certainly in, in football on the field that's a, that I believe that's the role of the coach to do it. now at some point someone's going to be thinking or saying surely that's a sports psych mm-hmm. job to make sure the players can do that. And of course, sports psychologists and sports psychology play a, a, a role in that. But we have always felt at Gazing and in the way that we package and deliver Red to Blue, that this should be the domain of the coaches. Mm-hmm. They should understand Red to Blue in a way that it's accessible so they can talk about it in an easy way to young young athletes, young kids, boys and girls, doesn't matter, all the way up to senior, high, you know, high-performing elite athletes, that they can, um, 
it, that it's accessible, it's practical as well, that they can use it in training and they can use it to diagnose situations and help prepare for them. And ultimately, it needs to be credible, which means it works. And, you know, there's so many examples of how it works. Yeah, so which is basically what our second part of our discussion is going to be about is the, um, the impact of expectations and scrutiny, uh, the pressure on the coach. Um, because, you know, I can tell you a million different pressures that I've been under as a coach. And, and it's through experience and through actually going through these things that, um, you know, you, you learn to take, to take the pressure off the players uh, in, in a way that is such that it doesn't put too much pressure on yourself. But it would be, say, parents on the sidelines, say, <laughs> losing a game. So, you, you, you know, you, you bring in all those other aspects of the game, don't you? Um, one of the things I used to hate was on coaching nights. So we would so where I coach at Leatherhead, say you've got a, a huge, huge area that you'd be coaching in and it's fenced off, but you've got one, one section right in front of the parents. Now, when I first started, I always got that section um, because, <laughs> you know, when you're the, when you're the you know, first, last coach in, you get the, the worst spot and everyone else is taking their players up the other end where they, they can't see. So you're coaching in front of the parents and you can, you can actually hear what, what some of the parents are saying. Um, I was in uh, the development centre uh, on Saturday morning. Um, now, I, I was with the under sixes, which is quite a difficult age to, to actually coach because a lot of the time you're uh, managing this, their situations. Now, we're playing this game at the end um, and I can hear one of the dads uh, shouting, to, saying in a very loud voice, I don't know why this coach doesn't get involved like I do in the back garden because it would sort them out a lot better if he was playing the game with them. <laughs> now I'm coaching and, and, you know, he's brought his kid along to learn how to play, not to, for me to win the ball it's and pass it to him. because seen you playing in goal, that's yeah. why. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah, because he's an easy touch. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you get, so, uh, you know, but I, I imagine if some of the younger coaches must think, wow, you know, you, you get, I, I, yeah. I mean, you you develop so many coaches. Do they talk about pressure with you? Do they talk about how um, they feel? Laura, I think that me going in sometimes to watch a coach, if it's the first time I've ever gone in to watch that coach, they almost feel like, oh my God, someone's coming in. You to probably watch. create pressure as yeah, well. Yeah, and I've also been on the receiving end of that. Somebody yeah, coming in to watch me coach, or like yeah. you just said, Dave, that first session you've delivered yeah. 10 years ago when you start yeah, coaching yeah. and you've got teachers there or parents there but um yeah I think I think coaches do feel it but yeah. I'm not sure if they see it as pressure so if I think back to myself that they're on the side of the pitch yeah. and things aren't going right yeah and they they, they feel a responsibility like you said they they're they're there to fix it like they just the other team are getting through them too easily how do yeah, I yeah. change it and they're on the side of the pitch a lot of the time as coaches are on their own, especially in grassroots yeah. football, and you've got maybe the noise of parents or in some cases the noise of fans or in some cases where I've been, noise of a bench, injured players on the side, why are they doing that? And, why? and all of a sudden you've got, like you said, that red, all these thoughts going on in your head yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when you start the game, this was what you were going after. Yeah. So are we sticking to what we're going after with yeah. a course depending what, whether it's performance and results or whether it's development driven, yeah. whether you tweak it. But I think there's pressures. But if I look back at my time before lots of conversations with yourself is 
did I see it as pressure or did I just see it, this is what happens as a coach. This yeah. is stuff we just got to deal stressed. with, you know? <laughs> Yeah, um, which is true. You sort of do have to deal with it, mm. but it's quite useful to be able to uh, describe um, first of all to acknowledge the normality of how mm. you feel, because there's a starting point with red to blue, which says that we're all human. There's a few coaches on it that might be questionable, <laughs> but generally, as human beings, everybody's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a coach or whether you're a young player or whether you're the elite, you know, the top player in the world, everybody will feel pressure at some moment. Mm-hmm. And so a starting point for that is to acknowledge the existence yeah. of that and that we're all vulnerable to it. And, and now, the other bit that quickly should be recognized is not all pressure necessarily facilitates a, an unhelpful response. Mm-hmm. Some people thrive on the pressure. Some people will, in different moments will really enjoy and embrace the pressure. That's the goal to get to. But you have to get there. And you have to develop yourself to the point where that becomes a catalyst as opposed to just an inhibitor and you sort of close in on yourself mm-hmm. and you stop communicating or you start changing your mind halfway through the you know, the game to say, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do that because he or she said that in the background on the bench or mm-hmm. you know, the joy of parental input. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. a, mm-hmm. as a, some back garden dad coach has said, you should be doing this. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I think part of it, so I, I, you know, the, the conversation started with, is it the role of the coach to prepare their players for dealing with the pressure of the situation and the environment they're in and building the language associated? Yep. It's also the role of the coach to acknowledge that they need to develop themselves and develop their own mental skills as a coach. Like anyone in a lot of the work we do in business, you, you want to develop your own mental skills as well as develop those of the people who happen to work for you. Yeah. Um, I guess like one of those potentially is, I just think back to the game I had on um, Sunday, We've got some senior players, this is women's football, and we've got some senior players who are injured, so they're kind of on the bench. And then you've got other people, and you hear lots of noise, but I just try to take myself away from the noise. Yeah. I've got my own yeah. pads, make my own notes, yeah. shut myself away. I don't want to get caught up in those conversations because yeah. I know what we set out to do for the game, and yeah. it's trying to shut off that white noise and really yeah. focus on what I mean. Whereas in the past, I might have got involved in those conversations was okay what do you think and I think it's different if it's your assistant or Mm. you're you're an assistant to somebody and you're having those conversations to getting caught up in in maybe players who all the goodness of their heart and they want to do well but they're not coached they don't see the game like a coach who's just careful what you allow thoughts to imagine I mean we're just down the road from Twicken imagine and I've been to it many times, and there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of people in the crowd who think they're coaches, and some of the stuff that yeah. comes out of there is complete mm-hmm. nonsense. But if you're a coach, vulnerable coach, listening to that, you think, well, maybe we should be doing that. Yeah. And, and it's come from someone with no understanding of what you've been trying to do, no sense of what you're doing. They're all entitled to their opinion, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, being able to stay focused on the on the, the the clarity of thought, being able to zoom out a little bit which is one of the mental skills yes. we talk about. You ever think, is there anything I should be doing to change mm-hmm. it? Because that's one of the big challenges for coaches. Yes. When do you change? When do you stick? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes you go, right, actually, I've zoomed out a bit. I think we should be altering the way we're playing because this is happening. <clears throat> but you want a clear thought process to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be listening to someone unless you've gone and sought their, in- their yes. input. Unless you've gone yeah. to your assistant or you've gone to someone mm-hmm. else, you go, what do you think? What are you seeing? That's good, yeah, but then I you, think that's, that's a, useful, isn't it? Yeah, it's an active engagement, and then you can decide what you do with that information. Mm. And that, and that, but all of this in using our language is far easier to do from the blue side than it is to do yeah. from the red side. So when you were playing, and then when you were coaching, did you, did you, 
like what's the pre- how would you differentiate the pressure you feel as a coach versus the pressure you feel as a player? Better or worse? Probably as a player, maybe more in control. So you're on the pitching. If you're having a bad game, you're having a bad game, you can try and fix it. And in football, it's different, like you said, to golf and tennis, say a little bit, because you've got 10 other players to try and help you through the 90 minutes, if you like. But I think as a coach, you're trying to change stuff, which may not be possible. Some of the players on the pitch almost put in the control in like the power of 11 players on the pitch and the players on the side Um, so I'd I'd say that more like being able to influence stuff more even though it might not be that but yeah because in in Red to Blue we talk a lot about the control service everybody at the moment is talking about you know control the controllables you hear Mm. it every time you turn TV on someone's talking about mindset they go he or she just controls the controllables without really understanding the impact of the stuff that's either outside your control or outside your influence. Because as a coach, I'm sure you have to really acknowledge that. I mean, as a player, you have to acknowledge that mm-hmm. anyway. But as a coach, you have to acknowledge mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of stuff that goes on as a, a, that, that impacts, if, in, in, in a way, the re, the, how well you do your job mm-hmm. that is outside your control or even your influence. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly fighting against that, that's going to use up a lot of mental energy and take away from actually making good decisions mm-hmm. and you know executing the yeah, game. It is. Did you um, did you not find that when you received the ball when you were playing, that was the biggest pressure situation when you first start, you got the ball and it comes to you and you're suddenly thinking, you, and, and, and to be honest, you, you, you had your coach shouting, you had your, your, the parents shouting and uh, you've got a decision to make and I do find that that makes a lot of players freeze. I don't know what you... Yeah, I do felt. know what you mean. I remember from a kick-off, sometimes, I played right back a lot of the time, so the ball would come and mm. play back and you think, right, so first couple of minutes of the game, don't give the ball away because only, I know you might have a cover in defenders, but you're the last line of yeah. defence. And even worse when you're playing centre-back, you think, don't make a mistake now, you get on the ball. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it did. And that's why, I guess, as a coach trying to speak to players around, just keep it simple for the first few minutes yeah. if people are feeling that nervous. Yeah. And, yeah, um, but I do think probably players do face that the first couple of minutes, just yeah. to ease into it, isn't it? So I mean, in knowing, see, knowing that, so 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 many of the young players we work with around Red to Blue, and, and the ones who are in the academy structures of some of the pro clubs around Europe, and and, and just generally young players mm-hmm. who just start. I mean, I'm sure the girls would have felt the same. Those ones when mm-hmm. they took the first, yeah. you know, first moments, they all of them talk about, you know, I don't want to make a mistake early on, or I want to I want to do something well at the beginning because mm-hmm. it will make me feel more confident. You can understand where that comes from. So if you're a coach, first of all. Acknowledging that that exists is useful, I would suggest. But then, actually, as you as you say, well, how do we start the game? You might want to make sure that that the direction, the clarity of the direction of the coaching says, start the game simple. Mm. Let's build up some passes. Let's build up some possession. Let's build up whatever it is you do, and let them clearly know what's involved in doing that and their role in making it happen. And then, if you're clear, it's much easier to be blue, mm-hmm. as a, we used to say. Yeah. We still say you can't be blue if you don't know what to do. Yeah, and, if, and, if, and if you're not clear, it's gonna it's one of the big triggers for the red side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um and I think that uh, kind of takes us into the, the third bit we were gonna talk about today, yeah. and that's all the well, you know, all the stars that we see, the the Emma Red Radvacanus, the uh, you know, the the cricketers that uh, uh, that are, yeah. Have play and 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 especially the golfers that uh, last weekend, you know, um, how do you play against that crowd and against that, you know, when 
when when the crowd are cheering because you, you hit the ball into a bunker, you know the pressure on you is massive. You know they were they were cheering like it scored a goal. You whack the ball into a bunker. So I think in uh, we we see it on a daily basis in sport, don't we? Yeah. We see them. That's why we love sport in yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, the, the, the um, there's an awful lot talked about how players uh, remain focused. Uh, um, and, and, and ensure that they've got all their attention in the right place at, in, at critical moments and golf and tennis and I mean there's, you're not going to find a sport mm. or, or most things in life where it, it won't benefit you if you've got your attention on what you're supposed to be doing mm. but then of course and it's, it sometimes sport is the painful proof of all of this sometimes you just get beat Mm. You know, sometimes you just lose. Sometimes you just the, the, the people or the person who's who's, who's opposing you um, just ends up doing better than you on that day, or they are better than you, mm. and and they're more skillful, they're more physically capable, they're more technically, whatever it is, and yeah. tactically. You know, sometimes you just lose. So there is part of the acknowledgement of you know it isn't always that your mindset let you down. Sometimes it'll be other bits just didn't. didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I I think that. But, but then what we also see a lot of is not enough work is done by the athletes or by the coaches with the athletes together or in, uh, you know, individually or as a team to prepare them for those critical moments when it's going to feel distinctly uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, and a, a good example is playing in front of an American crowd yeah. you know, in the Ryder Cup or you know, playing in front of a... You know, um, crowd in a US Open final or whatever it might be or you will have played in games where there's a, nut, there's a difficult atmosphere and all that stuff and in, if you don't prepare your athletes for what that's going to feel like from our perspective then you're under preparing them for what you're sending them out to go and do mm. and that I think is the coach responsibility yeah and but but what we talk about with these people or people who've got four or five coaches six or seven coaches and Yep. But, but what Red to Blue can do, and I mean, I know we've, we've spoken about this quite a bit, what Red to Blue can do is help me uh, as a coach to say, say you were my players, it would give me the skills to say, look, take me to one side and talk to. And, 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 and there, are, there are ways and means, aren't there, of doing that? Which, which, um, I, I believe so. I mean, it, when, when we certify coaches in the Red to Blue concept and the, and the skills, I, my expectation, if you were going to watch... Uh, a coach to to scrutinise and support and help them develop, and they have been certified in red to blue. You should expect to see them using it in their language to prepare the players um, in the in the training sessions, using it in their language to prepare them for game day, using it in their diagnostic. You know how did it go? Reflecting back, I mean, they sh- you should be able to see them thinking about it and talking about it, so the players don't are not fearful of m- mindset. And they're certainly not thinking of it as something that needs solving, a bit like a trip to the dentist, but they're actually seeing it as part of their development. And I believe coaches hold that in their hands. And I'm not saying Red to Blue is the only game in town, but it is a, you know, accessible, practical way of talking about something that everyone knows sort of exists. Yeah, yeah I guess it's just the how, isn't it? And yep. that's how you get it out. Like you said, how do you have those conversations? How do you clear your mind? Yeah. How do you take yourself mm. away and stand back and look down on it Hundred, yeah and, and, and a lot of people say oh he or she's just focused on the controllables I mean you hear about Emma Adekani right now and you go yeah. and, and, and it's brilliant that that's what for example she seemed able to do in New York mm. but a good question is 
well, what happens when she is distracted or caught up with stuff that she is outside her control? Mm. How does she move her attention back to the stuff that she mm. can control, which is the skill? Mm-hmm. And that's the point that we keep coming back to. The, it, this is much better to talk about it and think about it as a skill, mm. which requires, like all of the technical skills involved in football, understanding and development over yeah. time. And practice. And practice. Yeah. So exactly. I guess allowing yourself to be in those moments is okay. But it's just that reflection back on it and mm. what could you do. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier around trying to um, manage the pressures of, uh, or replicate the pressures of being in an open or being, how do you do that when, I think we might have touched on it in another podcast around kind of the shoot apps and the crowds, yeah. how yeah. when actually you don't have those. Yeah. So, so get so asked an awful lot about this. I, I would say, first of all, it's impossible to, absolutely mm. faithfully replicate the exact mm. situation of a World Cup final penalty shootout. But that shouldn't stop you from trying to get as close as you can do to creating the sort of situation, either through um, the scenarios type work, write the scenario and let people think about what might happen, or um, sort of putting people putting people's skills under pressure um, to a point where that physically, mentally, there's, they're, they're sort of exhaustion is a good way of doing it. So making sure people can do it when they're tired mm-hmm. as well as do it when they're fresh. Um, and, and so thinking creatively of ways, I've heard of coaches who change the conditions of the pitch and the training field um, to, uh, to, to, to replicate what they're likely to be facing when they're performing. So all of those things are ways that coaches can creatively think about getting as close as possible to the environment. <clears throat> yeah. uh, and, and so you can't faithfully recreate, but you sh- that shouldn't stop you from getting as close mm-hmm. as you can do to helping p- people predict, players predict what it's going to be like and then work on their mental response to that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, you know, it's funny, but one of the, the main, one of the, you know, I, I said to you before when I went to the club four years ago and I first saw the red to blue diagram, one, one of the main things I think that, uh, something like red to blue does is make you think about. I never used to. I, I I wouldn't have seen it as my responsibility when I first started coaching that my under eights, under nines, or under tens that they were having a problem, uh, at, or with their parents, or they were having a problem with a. Maybe it, with, it was with another player. I'd just say cut it out. You know, this doesn't happen again. Yeah. I, I don't think about why they're doing it, and so I think one of the main things that comes out of red to blue is that you. You think about, okay, you know, I'm really annoyed because this kid's always in the red. He's always in the red. And, you know, I'm going back and moaning saying, I've got one boy out there and he's continually booting the ball away. He's in a bad mood. He comes and turns up from home. He's probably had a bad time at home, but it's really annoying because, you know, I I would never have done anything about it in the past. But um, the minute that you start talking about all the ways to help them, uh, you suddenly think, actually... It probably is my responsibility. It probably I can and I and yeah. I can help him. Um, and I think you know that to me is one of the yeah. the best things that comes out of this. Uh, uh, just the practical accessibility for a coach mm. uh, and or someone doing development of those coaches. And you sort of know um, that that you know it's easier to to play whatever it is you're playing from the blue side mm. than the red side. Uh, um, but equally, your attention is going to get flipped across to the red side occasionally and acknowledging it and, 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 and being skillful enough to move back to the blue as quickly as you can do. There's no reason why you don't, you don't have to wait till you're 20-something to do that. You yeah. can start when you're young doing that. 
because everybody knows what that feels like, the redhead, and everybody knows what the blue head feels like. Mm -hmm. So you, it's just really just a bit of coaching, a bit of work, and a bit of conversation, a bit of work to start getting skillful at moving. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it's easier to coach from the blue side than it is from the red side as yeah, well. It is. Yeah. yeah. Probably more enjoyable as well. Which Absolutely. Is, you keep coming back yeah, to that. It you know. is. Yeah, I can definitely. Um, more fun to play that. or watch the sport yeah. with a, without a furrowed brow. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Well, look, as, as ever, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. It's probably time for another coffee, I think. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so thank you very much, uh, Martin, and thank you, Abby. Cheers, uh, enjoyable. Really Cheers. It's been a really yeah. good meeting. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for further podcasts and check out capella.com to see how we can help you take your coaching to the next level.